0: Yale Podcast Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Take This Job and Love It, a podcast rooted in demystifying the uh, ins and outs of the job search and all points in between. My name is Brian Furnett. I'm your host, and I serve as the Senior Associate Director in the Office of Career Strategy at Yale University, and I am joined today by my wonderful colleague...
1: I'm Stephanie Waite. I'm with the Common Good and Creative Careers team in the Office of Career Strategy.
0: And we have a couple of guests today.
2: Hi, I'm Estella De Souza, and I'm a, a six-year PhD student at Yale uh, studying dark matter, searching for dark matter. Wonderful.
3: And hi, I'm Catherine Metoulas. I'm also a six-year graduate student at Yale. I'm in the physics department and doing uh, research focused on neuroscience.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you both for being here. We are here talking today about interviewing. We are talking about the ways by which we've uh, had our own personal experiences with interviewing, the ways that we can prepare for interviews, the way that we can try to deconstruct the interview so we don't uh, get too stressed out by the interview, um, and how all that sounds great, and then you walk into the room, and there's always a 40% <laughs> chance it just all falls apart, right? So we're going to try to not have that happen today. We're going to try to find a way to, to just circumvent that whole thing. Um I want to start with talking about preparation um, because I find that most of my conversations with the students and postdocs that I see, um, they'll often come in under the auspice of, of coming in for a mock interview which is always a good idea. They'll say, oh, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm supposed to go to career services and have a mock interview. And then I, they sit in my office. I see it in the, in the appointment. It says mock interview. And I ask them, so we can do that or we can talk strategy about interviewing. Have you, have, have you devised any strategy about interviewing? And then they're quickly like, oh, I have no strategy at all. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, well, we can talk about that. And I end up spending more time going through the nuances of the process itself and we do touch on on questions, and I do think that's still a value. But I think if we haven't thought about the way to construct or deconstruct the interview itself, we open ourselves up to some particularly damning pratfalls, right? So um, the way I often try to fr- to frame it is that. You know, Catherine, you and I could sit together for eight hours and I could fire interview questions at you all day and you walk out of the room eight hours later exhausted but also like, wow, I have to be better at this by now because I just did all of this work. And then tomorrow you go into the interview and the first question they ask you is something that we did not t- cover. And depending on your uh, confidence, there's a chance that you just – the whole house of cards crumbles down, right? And the way I frame that to the people I talk to is that because – Ultimately, if we're just basing it on the questions that we have been posed, we, are, we can encounter infinite questions. And so being prepared to answer certain questions is somewhat faulty. Mm-hmm. However, you've only lived on the planet for so long. You've lived wonderful experiences, I have no doubt. Those experiences, however, are finite. If you understand how to use finite experiences to discuss infinite questions, then we are okay. But if we're still going in the opposite direction we open ourselves up to a lot of challenge. So I'm wondering how did you each, through your own experiences, um, prepare for those interviews? Did you find that um, narrative construction uh, was, was particularly helpful or was it a lot of how to answer question X or some somewhere in between?
3: Um, well... For me, um, so I was interviewing for a lot of kind of technical positions, mm-hmm. so things like data science and software engineering. So a big part of that is the technical interview. Uh, but in terms of the behavioral questions for those, um, I I mean, there are a lot of those questions that you can find uh, listed places. So... I just tried to look up, you know, a lot of those common questions and try to think of some different scenarios that would apply to each one. Mm -hmm. Um, It was kind of tough because I felt like, you know, as a graduate student, it was like all my experiences were coming from, you know, something that happened in lab or Mm -hmm. something that happened when I was TAing a class. So um, it did definitely take some work for me to try to come up with, you know, kind of interesting responses that aren't all the same thing. Right.
0: Yeah, that's tough. It's 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 worth understanding sort of the breadth of your experience to bring in those anecdotes and narratives, right? Right. It's, it's tough it's a tough place to begin. Stella?
2: right uh, for me it took I mean a long it was a long period of preparation <laughs> but I mean doing a little bit over time mm-hmm. so maybe it took me like six months to completely prepare for yeah. for my interviews I well I interviewed for consulting jobs uh, mm-hmm. and those are pretty standardized uh, kind of right. and still it was uh, quite quite tricky for the behavioral part of the interview in addition to the case I um, well, as Catherine said, there, we do have a bunch of questions that we can uh, prepare based upon. But uh, what I quickly realized, and also talking to the companies, is that you can focus on, uh, think instead of thinking of the questions themselves, think about the experiences that you want to share mm-hmm. that could answer multiple questions. Right. Uh, so, um, for example, one of the companies suggested, oh, maybe you need maximum of uh, three three experiences or three or four experiences and you can build on them uh, to figure out how you can uh, respond to uh, answer different questions um, based on lit- your leadership, uh Um, experiences, you know, your professional experiences, uh, your analytical experiences, in my case. Yeah, so that's what I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for me, in the beginning, I tried to start by actually memorizing some of those Mm -hmm. answers, but I quickly realized that that's not going to that was not going to do it for me. I'm so glad <laughs> you yeah. that. Yeah. I'm so glad. Yeah. Because I, my memory is terrible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, tell us a little bit more about uh-huh. that, because sometimes I think um, when students come in and they're preparing for interviews, they think there's some level of memorization that has to happen, right, right. in order to get it right, quote unquote, right? Mm-hmm. You listeners can't see my air quotes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but so, so tell me a little bit about that, because you clearly tried in the beginning and you realized that that wasn't really working.
2: Right. Uh, Yeah. I really tried in the beginning, but my memory is just so bad. So when I was going to go for practice, it wouldn't come out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So uh, I tried other strategies uh, as well, like, again, focusing on the experiences themselves and what are the main points that I want to get and not worrying about getting every single sentence perfect, uh, you know, because in the past I've talked to people who applied for similar jobs and they had basically sheets and sheets of specific answers we're going to talk later with maybe with star method but they had Mm -hmm. that very specific written down and for me that was not really helping me so yeah.
0: yeah Catherine any memorization for you
3: um, yeah. So I actually had a similar experience where I think I'd heard from like another grad student that, oh, these questions are so standardized. You could just you know have all your answers memorized. And I, I also tried to do that and found that did not work. So yeah. I ended up um, just like getting a list of questions and then for each one put a few bullet points. Um, mm-hmm. And that that worked well for me because then I could like just look down and see those points. And even though, you know, my actual answer came out differently every time, I felt like by the end, I felt comfortable pointing out, you know, oh, yeah, this is a time where like something didn't work out. Here's how we fixed it. Here's how it went better the next time. Things yeah. Like so so
1: those bullet points for I, I'd like to hear from each of you, were they primarily focused on skills, leadership, teamwork, organizational skills, uh, overcoming challenges, like those kinds of things? What do you think were it, it were included in those bullet points?
2: Yes I guess uh, as Catherine said, uh, maybe the, um, w- w- the what was the outcome really mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. story? Yep. Yeah. What, what is the main thing that you learned from that? Uh, okay, a time that you fail, right? Uh, what did you learn from that? How are, mm-hmm. are you improving um, after that? Mm-hmm. I think those are the main things. Uh, but again, in terms of topics to cover, I, I, for me it was leadership. Uh, uh, working in teams, uh, the main things that the industry really wants from you, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. I guess those are very standard maybe for all the industries. Delightfully so. <laughs> <Yes>. But yeah, <laughs> to your benefit, frankly. But yes. But, but I,
0: yeah. I think it's, it's. you mentioned the words, both of you mentioned the word story. And I, I think, you know, at its most base, the root of a successful interview is your capacity as a storyteller, right? Because the situation, everything else about the situation may not scream uh, that kind of luxury or or, or lax nature of it. It seems very stressful. It can be very uh, kind of cold and and standardized, as as has also been said. But I think the elemental component of your ability to tell a story and to bring that audience along with you on that story is uh, is where others really crash up against the concept of memorization because memorization sort of disallows for that natural flow. Mm-hmm. And if you think of yourself with, with a friend or if you're at a social event and you're trying to tell a story and that story meanders on or takes someone too deep into the weeds that they didn't need to know about, you lose those individuals, right? The circle becomes a little small and you're like, oh, I got to wrap this up. I think the same <laughs> concept is elemental to a, an interview in that you're really like, why are you listening to me? Yeah. And you're listening to me. still you mentioned the different skill sets mm-hmm. that are being uh, – that are on display. If you can tell the story as it pertains to that audience, you will mm-hmm. maintain that audience. Um, very famously, I well, famously for the way I tell this story when I meet with people, <laughs> I had a student that came in for a mock. Uh, this was an undergraduate at the time. And I asked him, I threw just the, the softball at him. I said, so tell me about yourself. And he took a deep breath. He looked his head slightly cocked to the left he was looking sort of like over and above my head and then he just proceeded to rote memorize tell me everything about him via what was on the resume for and i timed it about 8 minutes
2: oh my gosh wow and this this <laughs> wow. poor
0: this poor man was just nervous and ill prepared in the context of a mock interview he was nervous and ill prepared mm-hmm. he was sweating by the time he was done telling the story and i I, asked, I looked at him and I said, how do, how do you feel about that? And he's like, I don't think it was good. And I said, no, I'm not sure it was. Yeah. And we were like, let's talk about yeah. that. And his thought was similar to that. He needs to just give everything he's got in this initial introduction and not thinking of I've got the rest of the hour for them to pick mm-hmm. apart all of these things and ask right. follow up and de- delve deeper. I just need to give them everything. And it was like, oh, we want very high level Right. and um right. i mean the nuance of that question unto itself is a diff- is a conversation all its own but th- watching this person made me so empathetic to how terrifying this can be but at the root cause of it all is how do we feel about talking about ourselves how do we feel as being storytellers
1: right right and i'll and i'll say that oftentimes when students come in and they'll they'll circle that prompt as the the prompt or the question that they have the most trouble with mm-hmm. because the thing that comes to mind is ooh what do you what do you mean tell me about myself, Uh, tell you (laughs) about myself? Uh, right what what do you need to know my dog's name like <laughs> yeah. how i which neighborhood I grew up in you like get real philosophical what, yeah and i and I think that can put uh, an individual in that moment of panic mm-hmm. and oftentimes when we're talking about how to respond to the tell me about yourself prompt um, we do have some guidance and support and, and things that um, we encourage um, folks to look into um, but at the heart of it is your opportunity at the beginning of an interview to plant the seed for the the most salient points about your experiences up until this point, that makes sense for the person who is sitting in front of you or the group of people that are sitting in front of you. So it's you have that opportunity to really set the tone for what that interview looks like and what you're hoping that that individual asks you more questions Mm -hmm. about. So there's actually a lot of power in that question and how one responds to it.
0: Well, in that power dynamic, I think is it's a total eye of the beholder in terms of who it rests upon. Yeah. Like I think the the ill-prepared will – the power lies on the, the, the interviewer,
1: right. right? The interviewer
0: right. is like they're going to ask me this question. I don't know what they want.
1: I better get it right. I better get it right. I don't know right. what they want, but I better get it right. Yeah, the whole <laughs>
0: thing begins to kind of shake and fall apart, whereas – if you know that narrative, mm-hmm. you know that job description, you know what they want, you get to give them what they want. And now they're like, well, where do I begin? And now the, you are firmly in the driver's seat. And, um, I, I again, as we've sort of touched on a couple times now, memorization is not the way to go. But preparation for that question alone yeah. changes the whole power mm-hmm. dynamic of, of, the, of the interview. Did you, um, either of you, find that, a, did that question come up in your experience? And then B, how did you feel about, you know, how did you get to the point where that felt like a confident response? Or did you just nail it out of, right out the gate?
3: <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think uh, for me, I had gone through a few different interviews before, um, you know, I was very serious about it in, in interviewing for full-time positions. Mm-hmm. And initially, when I first got that question, I definitely had the issue of just, You know, being like, they probably want to know, like, a lot of details, right? And then just, you know, (laughs) you sort of realize, wait, I feel like it's been a couple minutes and I still only made it through my research. Um, But yeah, as time went on, I started realizing, you know, like, they probably don't know a lot about, you know, the research that I do. And really what I'd like to talk about is the fact that I'm like, you know, I have a lot of diverse skills. And that's, like, what I want to persuade an employer is, good about me. So uh, just realizing that helped me to restructure it in terms of, you know, I have a few different sections on my resume. So like research, teaching and outreach, and those are like my three things. So just, you know, figuring out how to structure it. So I touch on each one of those briefly, and then, you know, kind of say, and, you know, happy yeah. to share more details about, you know, any of these if you want to talk more about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And for me, I, I feel like after my first interview, actually, uh, I realized
2: that, depending on what I, I talk about and tell me about yourself, they will actually follow up on questions. So the questions that they will focus on, like mm-hmm. a leadership mm-hmm. or... Uh, teamwork, whatever, might uh, go around those experiences that I already mentioned before. So I could actually tailor it in a way that they could ask me about
1: what I'm more prepared for
2: to answer. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. that was great. Yeah.
1: I think there's another element, and and I know we're kind of harping on this one uh, particular prompt of tell me about yourself, but I think the other element... Um, that we often want to see present in a response is a little bit of that motivational story. Yeah. So why is it that you're interested in this kind of work? Because, you know, essentially the company's not hiring a robot, right? Mm-hmm. OK, I need someone to do X skills. You can do X skills. Sign on. You know, here you go. So, so tell me a little bit about the motivational piece. What do you all think about that?
2: Yeah, I guess I would also include that because, I mean, when you're applying for consulting jobs, there's the famous question, oh, why consulting? Why are you moving? Why are you getting out of a PhD? And actually, my final round interview uh, for where I'm going now, uh, someone really grilled me on that one. Sure. <laughs> trying wow, to really... Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was very <laughs> stressful. But, uh, but yeah, so if you already give, give that up front, you know, they will understand why you wanted maybe to move out of academia in mm-hmm. our case. Uh, had you
0: anticipated that?
2: Yeah. Good. I also tried to prepare for that. <laughs> but, uh, nice. And I thought I had a good answer, but apparently there were holes <laughs> in my answer, too, because the person continued asking. But, yeah, but in the end was good, actually. Good. I guess. Nice. Excellent.
0: Catherine, yeah. did you have any experience with, with the motivation element, or did you find— it, it, is it tied to your area of academic expertise close enough where that was clear? Or?
3: Um, no, I mean, I've I've also gotten the question, why do you want to, you know, why do you want to leave academia? Why mm-hmm. are you interested in this kind of role? I've actually gotten the question, um, so on my resume, I, I do enjoy doing, um, like, teaching and outreach kind of things. So I have a lot of teaching and outreach on my resume, and someone actually asked me, oh, it looks like you're really interested in teaching. Why don't you want to do that as a career? And then it's like, you know, you sort of, you don't want to act like you put time into something you were interested in, but you also want to explain that, like, I like this, but I'd rather be doing the other thing. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, definitely, um, especially when you're trying to go to a slightly different field, I Mm -hmm. think kind of trying to pick out what points on your resume you can say, you know, well – you know, I am interested in this, and you can see because I've been involved in this thing for the last few years. So this yeah. is something I've been thinking about for a while and not something that, you know, I just thought of last week when I submitted an application. Right. right.
2: And especially for very competitive jobs, I think that's extremely important because they want someone who really wants to be there. Right. So, uh Stating your motivation clearly, it's important because of that.
0: Right. And I think that also comes around to your own embracing the malleability of your experiences. Like you Mm -hmm. can turn teaching into communication or a number of different transferable skills that would be largely relevant to any position. So the fun part, so to speak, is if you can't anticipate that or you know how malleable these things are. They think they're throwing a doozy at you and you're like, well, actually, I see it as this type of role and I think this would be relevant to your position and because – and then you all of a sudden, you're back in control. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't mean to look at it as like this control element but I think (laughs) if you want to diminish the anxiety that it inevitably produces – I think looking at it in that maybe oversimplistic way has its benefits because you're just like, okay, you're here to listen to me, so let me tell you about these things that matter to you.
1: Right, Um, right. And what's what's likely going to happen is the the interviewer is going to start drawing their own conclusions. Mm -hmm. They did this, and then now they're doing that, and then now they're going after this other thing, or perhaps they just saw that we came to campus, and now all of a sudden you just – out of the blue or interest in this. So your role as the interviewee is to um, share that story and then share those pivot moments. Right. Yep. Those pivot moments can actually really showcase your ability to make sound strong decisions as new variables and information are being presented to you. Right. Mm-hmm. And that the ability to tell the story, the motivational piece, but then also to be able to share those moments in which, one has pivoted from one experience to another or one industry to another. And I hear this a lot, especially from undergraduates who feel as though once they've declared a major that's going in a particular path, if they want to choose anything else along the way, or they have perhaps a bad experience in an internship, then they feel as though they're failing if they're choosing something Mm -hmm. else. And that that part of reflection and coming to a sense of em- empowerment of choice. Now, actually, I made this decision because X, Y, and Z happened, and that was the better decision that I could make at the time I had to make it.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree.
0: Did you uh, – either of you experience, either through your your, your last or mm-hmm. most recent interview or, or ones prior um, – what I refer to as like interesting situations. So was there like a group interview or was there a remote interview or a phone interview? Any of those kind of um, unique situations that offer their own specific brand of challenge? Um, did you encounter any such thing? Uh,
2: I had, uh, yeah, it was a little different interview right. because, uh, okay, for consulting interviews, there. Quite structured, and in general, people know what to expect. uh, Like this many minutes for behavioral interview. Then we do a case interview for this many minutes. And uh, for one of my interviews, uh, the person completely broke down uh, on uh, what we're gonna do and started in a different way. The case interview was actually completely different than what I had prepared for. So (laughs) these things uh, can happen. Mm -hmm. So you have to understand that uh, you know. uh, Although even if you know kind of well what is supposed to happen, Mm -hmm. people might choose to do it differently. And they have the power to. So uh, be prepared to be flexible on what you're doing, either technical interviews, case interviews, even behavioral interviews. And they might ask you,
1: uh, yeah, different questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, so. I, I would add to that that the only thing to maybe really understand and be prepared for is what are the illegal interview questions, <laughs> um, maybe oh, to yeah. just uh, uh, save yourself from from some of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, y- y- be prepared for any any portion to be flipped around and things to be moved. And especially, you know, if you're meeting with multiple people throughout the day, right. they may have to change things on you. Oh, this person's no longer available, so you're going to meet with this other person first. And Mm -hmm. Well,
0: even the way in which you you show your adaptation to that situation can say something about you. Yep. Um, I had um, a student who was going through multiple rounds, and then at their second round, it was an in-person interview. One of those people was not available. Mm -hmm. And so they said, oh, well, we'll have that person call you. Well, that person, a couple days later, got an invitation by email to go on the phone with that individual, but had an hour to prepare. Oh my God. So are you available (laughs) in an hour? And that person said yes. And it's, I think ultimately a good thing that they said yes because it showed that that individual was able to deal with ready. the situation. They were, they were ready, ready to go and they were able to deal with it as opposed to saying, well, actually, no, I can't. Um, mm-hmm. I have – even if even if you had something going on, which would be understandable, I don't think that would have like diminished the candidacy of that person. But I think mm-hmm. it is just a win, like an additional win to showcase like your ability to be malleable in that yeah, regard. Exactly. Same thing with your case uh, example. Mm-hmm. It sounds like – in spite of that, if you were able to persevere through it, that would add an extra element of you know, personality to the mm-hmm. response that comes through.
1: Yeah. And that's a big piece of interviews, right? So we we we've kind of danced around a little bit, a couple different questions, but in terms of behavioral interviews, a lot of what they're gauging for are, are of course, your skills, right? How have you demonstrated um, and and exercised and um, grown your skills in these kinds of ways, you know, in these areas? Um, But it's also, you know, how do you behave and respond, to other people in normal human a- human interaction, mm-hmm. right? right? And so for that student, the example of that student, Brian, like if they clammed up and said, oh, no, I'm so sorry. I can't do this right now. I have to, you know, um, I, I have to, you know, wait until next week until I mm-hmm. feel better prepared. Um, that might just showcase a, 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 a sense of not being ready. Right. And especially for most employers who hire on an as-needed basis, mm-hmm. <laughs> You're applying for – you are likely applying for things that are going to be starting soon. And so you have to feel that level of readiness.
0: Yep. Yeah. I I had um, a colleague of mine once said that if you get the interview, you know, congratulations means you're qualified. Then everything else is about fit. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. what – you know, the – the, the term behavioral interview is to determine how you behave in those situations. How do you right. act <laughs> in a given situation? Do I want that type of person and their methodology mm-hmm. sitting next to me? Exactly. Do I want to rely on those mm-hmm. people? And I think that's where um, – I think that's very empowering because I feel like most people are relatively by – the, by the point where they're interviewing for jobs, they are or should be relatively in touch with how they do the things they do. What their motivations are, what their you know, what you get when you when you get a Stella. This is what you're going to get. <laughs> you're going to get someone that can do ba ba and ba, right? Yeah. And if you know that about yourself, it gives you again a lot of. Uh, Confidence—it should give you one a lot of confidence as they walk into that room and sit at that at that table.
2: Yeah, and I will add to that that I've heard from interviewers that uh, you can get there, and let's say for the technical interview, for the case interview, you know, you can do everything correct, mm-hmm. and maybe they will still not hire you, right? Because <laughs> you didn't follow the leads that they they had, or you were very uh, stubborn right. on sure. on the, your choices and didn't hear the interviewer. So all of that you're also being uh, tested,
1: kind yeah. of tested yeah. for that. And maybe there wasn't a clear and concise response, which yeah, exactly. when preparing for these questions, something that I want to highlight here before we start wrapping up our episode is, um, is a a method that we actually uh, train folks on to use when preparing those stories. So we've talked a lot about how, you know, um, the the effectiveness of telling a story around your experiences and your skills. But one of the main uh, methods that we uh, encourage students to use is called the STAR method. Mm -hmm. And you all might have used this before. I know Brian and I talk about this with students all the time. Um, But it's situation, task actions, results. And that's a, a short, quick um, uh, way that you can organize a story around showcasing a demonstrated skill, right? So it's, it won't be enough, you know, if someone asked me, you know, uh, tell me about your leadership abilities. If I just say, oh, I lead a team of four in our office to come up with programming. Trust me. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> yeah. that's never going to be convincing enough. Right. But if I go into the details of what what situation are we in, mm-hmm. what kind of tasks and actions do we perform in order to um, fulfill the, the needs of the populations that we serve, and then what are the results, right? And sometimes I, when I uh, test students in a mock interview kind of situation and ask them questions around their strengths or their weaknesses or challenges or things like that, um, they'll jump right into the tasks and actions. Maybe they'll give me results. Most of the time they don't, but the framing of the context mm-hmm. of the situation is, is rarely ever there. So it becomes really important to understand that there's four – elements of that method Mm -hmm. but I'm curious to hear from you all if you've used that method if that seems to work well does that sound like it's an alignment Mm
3: -hmm. um yeah I mean definitely when I was uh, trying to prepare for the behavioral questions um yeah trying to go through the star method for each one and making sure like you know I have an actual story there that makes sense that you know uh, I can either you know guide them to the next question or um you know maybe bring out something that, like, wasn't on my resume that, you know, might not have come up otherwise. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for me, too. I use that uh, basically also trying to focus on the the main themes of the stories as well. Mm. Uh, And, yes, that's super important to have that uh, whole story prepared because if you just answer the question very plainly, like, uh, oh, this is... I I am very good leading teams or... uh, Oh, did my biggest fail is this one. You know, you don't put it. You don't put it in context on how that makes you great for this company. Or right, like, right. if I if I just respond, oh, this was my biggest failure. This person's not gonna understand what I've done uh, to improve that or how. Uh, you know, how you I, navigated yeah, through exactly. that, right? right. Yeah. yeah so.
1: How you, you know, tapped into others for help when you needed support along the way mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. how you did additional research on the topic so that you can come to a greater understanding exactly. of what you were grappling with, right? right. Like they want to hear those things about how you think through these processes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they can understand on their end, how are you going to transfer that work ethic and that approach mm-hmm. when you work for me? Right.
2: right, exactly. And if you don't answer actually completely, they might ask you questions. Okay, can you give me an example? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's when you know you didn't thread the needle yeah. on that. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, oh, you didn't really catch, a, <laughs> catch an example out of that, did you? Yeah. Oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah, I think it's about being able to convey the how. The how is what separates the candidates. You know, we can have two, both of you at the same department at Yale University could apply to the same job. Uh, And you both did research, wrote a dissertation, taught classes. So Mm -hmm. on paper, as far as that shallow look at your respective backgrounds goes, you're neck and neck. But you're two very different people with very different experiences and different methodologies, right? And so you want to be able to embrace your own because that's who you are, and that's what they should expect of you if they're going to make an offer. You don't want them to hire you under a false pretense, and you don't want them to have a misconception of what you can what you can contribute because then you're not conveying your best sense of self. And I think, understandably, these things can be uh, can induce a lot of, of you know, nerves and anxiety. But it's about having the confidence to know what your contributions are and what you, um, what skills you leverage best per the situation, or how you match the needs of that particular position. And then again, we're delving into the how you go about doing it because that's the fit that they're looking for. I mm-hmm. like the way you do the things you do, and you're qualified for the mm-hmm. job. That's the ultimate um, alignment of how an individual, you know, receives that offer. And that's mm-hmm. what it's all about. So we want to try to be as aware of that as we can. And again, to kind of put a bow on on this topic, uh, at least for, for this instance, it, it comes back down to the storytelling. Mm-hmm. So,
1: and know thyself.
0: Know thyself. <laughs> yes, yes, that's very important. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Well, thank you both for joining us yeah, today. thank you. Thank you. Good to have you here, and uh, congratulations. Oh, thank <laughs> you very <much>. <laughs> <laughs> On your successful both interviewing. Gainfully employed. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, this has been another episode of Take This Job and Love It. We will be back in two short weeks with another episode. In the meantime, you can review our resources on preparing for your interviews uh, behavioral, technical, and case by going to ocs.yale.edu. Information there for one and all. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.